Chapter Five of Brewing by A. Cheston Chapman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter Five, Cooling. The next stage in the conversion of malt into beer is the cooling of the wort to the temperature at which the yeast is added and fermentation commences. Simple as this statement may appear, the cooling of the wort is one of the most important and, in some respects, most troublesome of all the procedures which go to make up the brewing process. The mere lowering of temperature presents, of course, no difficulty, but it has to be remembered that wort, even when hopped, is not an unfavorable medium for the development of a variety of living organisms, which, as the result of their life activities, bring about chemical changes, which may render the resulting beer unpleasant in flavor or even quite undrinkable. As will be seen later, such organisms may be either bacteria or certain species of yeast, and the chief aim of the brewer at this stage is to cool his wort to the required temperature and at the same time to protect it from infection by such undesirable organisms which are always present in the air. As a general rule, the cooling process takes place in three stages. In the first place, there is a small reduction of temperature during the short time the wort is in the hopback, then there is a further considerable lowering of temperature in the cooler, and finally the temperature is reduced to the required point by being passed over one or more refrigerators. The cooler is a shallow rectangular vessel made of iron, copper, or wood, and is usually situated near the top of the brewery, and in such a position that air may have free and ready access to it. As this vessel is almost invariably at a much higher level than the hopped back, the wort is pumped from the latter vessel on to it, and allowed to remain as a rule until its temperature has been sufficiently reduced to permit of its being run over the refrigerator. Since on the cooler the wort is only a few inches deep, and consequently presents a very large surface to the air, it is clear that under ordinary circumstances immense numbers of organisms of various kinds must fall into it. As a rule, the room in which the cooler is situated has open louver boards on all four sides, so as to allow as much air as possible to pass over the cooling wort and to facilitate the escape of steam. As, moreover, breweries are usually built on or very near to main roads, it will easily be understood that the air which obtains access to the wort, particularly during dry, dusty weather, is very rich in all kinds of microorganisms. Prior to the introduction of refrigerators, the wort had to be cooled entirely on the cooler, which frequently necessitated a sojourn of twenty-four or thirty-six hours, particularly during the summer months. It will be readily understood that under such circumstances it was often impossible to brew beer possessed of reasonable soundness, and so notwithstanding their greater alcoholic strength as compared with the beers of today, and the larger proportions of hops used in their production, they were frequently sour and undrinkable, almost at racking. In fact, it was found that beers which had to be stored for any time could only be brewed during the winter months, and even then their stability was often very problematical. The introduction of refrigerators marked an epoch in brewing practice, since it enabled the brewer to cool the wort to the required temperature in a very short time and with a minimum exposure to the air. Refrigerators are ordinarily of two forms, the vertical and the horizontal. In both, however, the principle is the same, the wort running over metal tubes through which cold water is made to flow. The cold water in the vertical form, figure 3, is admitted to the lowest tube at A, and thence passes successively to the others, and finally flows away at the top, B. The wort passes from the trough, C, through a series of small holes in a thin film over the outer surface, and when it reaches the pan, D, 
has been reduced to the temperature necessary for the addition of the yeast. In the majority of breweries at the present day, both a cooler and a refrigerator are employed, but sometimes the cooler is done away with entirely or is replaced by a deep receiving vessel, a system which has much to recommend it, as I shall show later. It should be said, however, that the cooling of the wort is not quite the only function of the cooler. Certain of the constituents of the wort have the property of absorbing oxygen from the air at tolerably high temperatures, and this hot aeration, as it is called, to distinguish it from the cold aeration or absorption of oxygen by the cold wort while passing over the refrigerator, is very generally regarded as beneficial. It is true that some authorities have questioned its importance, but I think there is a general consensus of opinion that these more or less obscure oxidation changes are desirable and that they do exert an appreciable effect on the brightening capacity of the finished beer. It is fortunate, however, that these changes occur most actively at elevated temperatures, about 180 degrees Fahrenheit, and it is very doubtful whether much if any advantage in this direction is gained by allowing the temperature of the wort on the cooler to fall below, say, 160 degrees Fahrenheit. A further function of the cooler is to permit of the deposition of the coagulated protein matters from the cooling wort and to leave the bulk of these behind when the wort is run down over the refrigerator. This insoluble deposit is technically known as the cooler sludge. There can be no doubt that if the wort on the cooler could be reduced to a comparatively low temperature under conditions rendering bacterial infection impossible, the shallow vessel of large area has much in its favor. In practice, however, it is very difficult, and many brewers have found that they can secure the main benefits of a cooler without its serious drawbacks by substituting for it a deeper vessel of much smaller area. By spraying the wort pumped from the hop back into such a vessel, sufficient hot aeration is secured, and if it is not possible to keep the protein sludge back as completely as with a cooler, the advantages on the score of diminished infection are so great as to render this consideration of little importance. Above 150 degrees, the wort is practically sterile, and the brewer should endeavor by every means in his power to ensure that the temperature of the wort when it reaches the refrigerator shall not be appreciably lower. Assuming the wort to be, for all practical purposes, sterile when it reaches the refrigerator, the next consideration is how to avoid serious infection while the wort is passing over that piece of plant. It has been pointed out that the wort runs over the refrigerator tubes in a thin film. This is clearly necessary in order to secure rapid cooling, and it will be obvious that the surface exposed to the air by a brewing of, say, a hundred barrels must be enormous. The adequate protection of the wort at this stage does not, however, present any very serious difficulty, since it is not a difficult matter to enclose the refrigerator, or refrigerators, in a tightly constructed room capable of being supplied with filtered air, and this is the procedure adopted in most modern breweries. The purification of the air from microorganisms is effected in many ways, such as by passing it over numerous trays containing jelly, or by causing it to traverse cotton wool or other filters, the filtering material being usually kept moist in order to increase its efficiency. The air so filtered is then injected by means of a fan into the refrigerator room, and in this way the steam is removed and the surface of the cooling wort is brought into contact with a constant supply of pure air. Whilst it is necessary to protect the cooling wort from airborne infection, it is also of the highest importance that the refrigerator itself should be in a scrupulously clean condition, and the efforts of brewers' engineers have, during recent years, been directed to so improving the design and construction of this important appliance 
as to render cleaning a simple operation and the lodgment of dirt practically impossible. Unless the greatest care is taken, dirt is very liable to accumulate in the corners where the tubes enter the upright supports, and as this will always contain innumerable living organisms, it is quite easy for a whole brewing to be infected and spoiled by being passed over a refrigerator which is not properly clean. It will be seen, then, that infection of the wart may occur either on the cooler, whenever the temperature falls appreciably below 140 degrees Fahrenheit, or on the refrigerator, and may be caused either by airborne organisms or by those derived from contact with dirty surfaces. As showing the amount of infection which may be caused by a refrigerator which has not been thoroughly cleaned, I may say that I have on many occasions found the wart at the top of the refrigerator practically sterile, whilst samples taken from the same time from the pan have contained as many as three million organisms of various descriptions per liter. Fortunately, numbers such as these are not as terrible as they may at first sight appear to be, since hopped wort and beer are not very favorable media for the growth of bacteria in general. Thus, Zykes has shown that of 107 varieties of bacteria experimented with, including bacilli, micrococci, sarcinae, and spore-forming bacteria of various kinds, only 15% could develop in hopped wort, provided that the wort was simultaneously seeded with yeast and that only 2% were capable of growing in beer at 10 degrees Celsius and 3.7% in beer at 25 degrees Celsius. On the other hand, it must not be forgotten that bacteria reproduce with enormous rapidity under favorable conditions, and that the organisms which are capable of bringing about disease changes in beer are of very widespread occurrence. Zyke's experiments, which dealt more particularly with water bacteria, are in accord with some of my own observations in connection with airborne bacteria, for I have observed that in many cases the proportion of bacteria capable of developing in hopped wort does not exceed 5% of the total number falling in. This fact points to an important difference between infection due to chance air-carried organisms and that caused by dirty surfaces, such as I have referred to above. In the latter case, the organisms which have survived as the result of a kind of natural selection are all capable of growing in hopped wort, and many of them in beer. They are, in fact, all effective, and a given number thus introduced is almost certain to have a much greater effect on the wort and beer than a similar number falling in from the air. It must be remembered, moreover, that bacteria are not the only organisms which the brewer has to fear, since some species of yeast are pathogenetic to beer, and these flourish without exception in both wort and beer. These so-called wild yeasts, to distinguish them from the industrially useful, or culture yeasts, are usually present in considerable numbers in the air from June to September, after which date they rapidly diminish. Growing as they do on the surface of ripe fruits, such as cherries, plums, strawberries, etc., it will be obvious that wart infection by these yeasts is more likely to be serious in the case of breweries situated in the country and in the neighborhood of orchards and fruit gardens than in those in towns, although this is not by any means always the case. Since the thermal death point of these yeasts is usually about 140 degrees Fahrenheit, it follows that no infection is to be feared on the cooler if the warts are run down at or above that temperature. It is while the wart is running over the refrigerator that such infection is most likely to occur, and, as has been indicated above, this can be almost entirely prevented by taking care that the refrigeration is carried out in an atmosphere of purified air. From the above, it will be gathered that the operations of the brewer are greatly complicated and rendered much more difficult 
by the necessity of working under what may, for want of a better term, be called aseptic conditions. Mere cleanliness is not sufficient, and the modern brewer has to be almost as constantly on his guard against the introduction of pathogenetic organisms as has the modern surgeon. In 1875, Pasteur, as the result of his epoch-making labors, wrote the two following sentences. Every unhealthy change in the quality of beer coincides with the development of microorganisms foreign to brewer's yeast, properly so called. The absence of change in wort and beer coincides with the absence of foreign microorganisms. These two short statements embodied a great truth and virtually marked the transition from darkness to light and from chaos to order. Somewhat extended and modified as the result of more recent research, they are recognized as the foundation stone on which so much of modern brewery practice is built, and without which real success, if attained at all, would be largely a matter of chance. It has already been stated that in some breweries, where the cooler has been abolished, there is not even a collecting vessel, and the wort is pumped from the hop back directly over the refrigerator. I do not think this is altogether the best system, but it cannot be denied that in many cases it yields perfectly satisfactory results. A greater strain is, of course, thrown on the refrigerators, which must have a larger cooling capacity than would otherwise have been necessary, that is to say, if the wort is to be cooled down in reasonable time. It is customary in some breweries to pass artificially cooled water through the lower tubes of the refrigerators, and thus to increase their cooling power. When there is refrigerating machinery, the plan is a good one. While the wort is passing over the refrigerator in a thin layer, it absorbs oxygen from the air, that is, of course, as soon as the temperature has fallen sufficiently low. This dissolved oxygen is of importance during the next stage of the process, since it is necessary for the proper activity of the yeast. End of chapter 5